0: Hey, pals. So when I first sat down to write this episode, I legitimately Googled why everyone needs. And the second thing that popped up was therapy. Under a dog (laughs) and above to wear a mask. I legitimately cackled out loud because if that does not describe the state of the world right now that we live in, then I have no idea what does. To be honest, Growing up, for some reason, I had in my head that I needed to be perfect. No one explicitly said, hey, Amanda, so glad you're alive and all, but do me a favor. Never make a mistake, ever. Oh, and if you do, make sure not to tell anyone about it, because then people won't like you and they won't want to be near you. Yeah, no one said that. No one even remotely implied that. Somehow though, I was convinced in that little brain of mine that I needed to be the best at everything. I had to be the smartest, most talented, and all-around champion at everything I tried, or else I wouldn't have any friends, or I wouldn't be loved by my own family. So naturally, this led to only making the mental health issues I already struggled with as a kid that much worse. My anxiety became crippling, and I felt like I was in a spiral that was getting harder and harder to escape. I set unrealistic expectations in my own world that literally were impossible to achieve, only securing the inevitable slip into depression when I couldn't live up. It was truly a roller coaster, one that only had one seat and one final destination a crash into severe mental health problems. If I'm honest, looking back, I can see all the warning signs but the stigma around mental health, therapy, and medication has drastically changed in the past 10 years. Sure, a 10-year-old kid having crippling fears of lily pads is quite odd, but that was the start of my anxiety spiral. My brain convinced me that what lived under those lily pads would expose my true fear. I'm terrified of frogs. But how on earth could I grow up to be an animal trainer who works with animals if I was afraid of a certain type of animal? Or the fact that I was the most involved kid, strategically keeping myself busy until recently, because the idea of slowing down and being alone with my thoughts was incredibly terrifying. I devoted so much of my time to ignoring these warning signs that whenever one little rift in my plans happened, it was the perfect recipe for a total breakdown. I give all this background, not to pine for sympathy, but to give you a little insight into what I was experiencing before my first therapy session in 2009. Before this, my idea of therapy was what the media portrayed. A velvet chaise lounge, a dark library-type office with a judgy therapist who had a pen and paper, constantly writing down everything that needed to be fixed about me. And honestly y'all that's exactly what it felt like at least that's what my brain can remember that is i was quite literally drugged into therapy by my parents who were honestly probably terrified of the emotional wreck their daughter had become in a matter of a day i had gone from a seemingly happy freshman in high school with friends a cute boy who liked her and plans for her upcoming birthday To a stone-faced, shut-down, shell of a girl who couldn't even get out of bed to eat. I'm going to spare the details, but there was a fake Facebook page made to bully me. Literal notes left in my locker telling me how horrible and awful of a person I was. And finally a school-wide assembly on the effects of bullying, which only made everything worse. To be honest, I was wrecked. And that experience only further shaped my idea of therapy. When things are wrong, you go to therapy to fix them. It's a private meeting, so no one should know because talking about your bad things is bad. Needless to say, I did not click with that therapist, and my thought process was far from ideal. But it did get me talking a little bit more about the things that were bothering me. Plus, it gave my parents a window into my life. Now, fast forward to my next therapy visit in 2011, where I was in self-destruct mode again due to a worsening mental health state, a paralyzing heartbreak, and the feeling of no one could possibly understand what I'm going through. I shut down again and for the first time made a decision that drastically impacted my thinking still to this day. I made the call to quit everything, to focus on me and my health. I dropped out of every single extra activity that wasn't going to school, eating, or sleeping. I gave my brain a chance to reset. And while the final two months before graduating high school to the fall of moving to Florida are moments I don't quite remember, it was clearly what my brain and mental health needed. It's how my body coped with the years of destruction internally and mentally. So. I went to therapy again, but this time I chose to actually participate. I chose to bear it all and took advantage of the client confidentiality clause to really just get rid of so much internalized jargon my brain had created. After that session, my mind became more open to the thought of therapy actually working, trusting my therapist, and maybe going regularly. Now, it didn't click in my brain until I was sitting in college years later learning about different coping mechanisms the brain uses to comprehend trauma or life-altering experiences, that therapy is actually a tool. My professor so matter-of-factly stated, I know the idea in the world right now is go to therapy to fix my problems, but maybe we should actually go to therapy to prevent some of those problems. I'll put it this way, when I'm about to eat a meal that involves anything I know will give me acid reflux or heartburn, I'm looking at you Tex-Mex food, I'll take medicine preemptively. Granted, I can take medication after the fact, but it takes a little bit longer to feel that relief. So why can't that apply to therapy too? Sure, I can go to therapy after each mental breakdown moment in my life to help limp through, and salvage those situations. But what if I had consistently been going to therapy even when my life wasn't in shambles? I'd probably be able to learn tools and navigate certain situations with a little bit more ease, right? Well, years later, yes, years, i finally come to that conclusion and stuck to implementing it. In November, as I was toying with the notion of leaving the animal training field, during the shame spiral I was experiencing from coworkers and my own brain about having COVID, I had yet another mental breakdown. So much so that Kev literally sat me down and said, "'Girl, you need therapy.'" Not in a mean way or a judgy way, just a, look, I can't help you and nothing I'm doing is helping you and I don't even think you can help you right now type of way. It was exactly what I needed the kick in the butt to realize, yeah, I have no idea what is going on with my brain, but we're a year into this pandemic and I'm drowning. So he printed out a list of therapists that were covered under our insurance. I did my research and I called up my now BFF of a therapist. That being said, I learned a lot that day and I wanna share those tips that I found online that can really help you make an informed decision when it comes to finding the best option of a therapist for you. Don't worry, all of these resources mentioned will be linked in the episode notes, I promise. Tip number one, consult your provider directly. So this is gonna help you determine the number of sessions that works for you within your plan and whether you can find someone in-network or if you need to look out of network for your needs. Number two, ask someone you trust. I have personally referred my therapist to literally anyone who will listen to me talk about her, but that works for me. And what works for me might not be the best fit for you. Everyone has different goals and while this might be a great place to start, it might not be the perfect solution. Tip 3. Use a reliable online database a number of mental health organizations maintain up-to-date searchable databases of a licensed therapist. You can simply type in your zip code to generate a list in your area. What I personally love is you can also search for specialists like marriage, family counseling, or even addiction. Some of the most common online search tools include the American Psychological Association, the American Association of Marriage and Family Therapists, and the Association of LGBTQ psychiatrists. Tip number four, explore your local resources. Fun fact, your community might have resources to help you. If you're a student, your school might provide access to a counseling center. If you're employed, your HR team might offer a list of therapists through a workplace wellness or employee assistance program. If you want your faith to be involved in your counseling, You could consider reaching out to your place of worship for a list of licensed therapists affiliated with your faith. Number five, reach out to organizations that address your area of concern. If you're looking for help in a certain area of mental health, you could find therapists through a national association, a network, or a helpline like the National Eating Disorders Association, the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, or National Center for PTSD. Six, try online therapy apps. TalkSpace and BetterHelp both offer tools to help you explore the kind of therapy you want. They also match you with a licensed and accredited therapist so you can work online or via over the phone. Number seven, ask the questions that matter to you. Are you a licensed psychologist in the state? How many years have you been doing this? How much experience do you have with working with people who are dealing with blank? What do you consider to be your specialty or area of expertise? If I need medication, can you prescribe it? What do we do if our treatment plan isn't working? Now, all this being said is great, but I'm going to give my most personal and most recommended tip here. No matter how many professional accreditations your therapist has, your own feelings of trust and comfort should be your top priority. Will therapy be uncomfortable from time to time? Possibly. After all, you'll likely be discussing difficult, personal topics. But if you feel uncomfortable with your therapist for any other reason, it is 100% alright to look for someone else. You don't need a reason to switch therapists. It's enough that you don't feel comfortable. So trust your gut. For me personally, here's a couple things that I noticed when talking to different therapists, does my therapist interrupt me or do they listen carefully to what I'm saying? How does my body feel during a therapy session? Do I feel tense? Do I feel at ease? Does the therapist respect my time by being prompt to appointments? Does the therapist brush off or invalidate my concerns? Do I feel seen, heard, and respected during my session? All of these are extremely key for me and help me to decide if my therapist is a good match for me. All right, here's my pitch. Your therapist shouldn't be scary, intimidating, or judgy. Your therapist should be your BFF. Someone who encourages you, supports you, mourns with you, and tells you when you're being slightly unrealistic. I trust my therapist with everything, my hopes, my dreams, and especially my fears. She is the first to stop me and celebrate my successes. Her MO is to actually pause me mid ramble and say, hold on Amanda, do you realize how brave that was? We need to take a second to just realize that not every person would have stood up for themselves that way. She's given me the tools to navigate touchy family situations, phrasing to protect my own boundaries, and shown me that I had it in me all along to be my own warrior. Pals, mental health is health. It's just one of the many puzzle pieces that make up a well-rounded, healthy person. I wanted to share my experiences with finding the perfect therapist for me to either help someone listening know they're not alone or just give the resources and tips to take the next step for your mental health. While I wouldn't change the life experiences I've had, they might have been just slightly easier to go through if I'd actually been consistent with therapy. So again, my therapist will tell you that we still have a long way to go, but I'm in it for the long haul, guys. I'm committing to focusing on my mental health. Honestly, if 2020 showed me anything, it's that one, being alone with your mind cannot be a fun place if you don't have the tools to help you. Two, mental health is real and mental health really, really matters. So again, I'm committing to focusing on myself, taking care of myself, and taking care of my mental health, and I hope you'll join me too. So as I'm sitting here editing this episode and finishing up the recording, we just hit a huge milestone on Instagram, and I just had to take a moment to shout it out. Guys, we just hit 500 followers on Instagram for Sunshine and Rainbows podcast. To put that into perspective, I started that account two weeks ago. Are you kidding me? Thank you so much for the love, support, as always. Y'all are incredible. You consistently blow my mind and I am one lucky gal pal to have y'all in my life. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Also, I hear you, you want a Kev segment. I'm undecided still but I guess you'll just have to keep tuning in to see when it happens. We can't give him everything he wants all the time.